This is AgriPulse Daybreak for Tuesday, March 26th. Good morning. I'm Jeff Daly. Here's today's headlines. Lawmakers rush to finalize disaster aid. Ruined grain among key issues. Trump wins on tariffs, but authority questioned. A Senate struggling to finish the disaster aid package. A disaster bill that has taken a new urgency on the wake of the Midwest flooding this month could be finalized in the Senate by the end of the week. But key details are still up in the air, and Republicans and Democrats remain at odds over aid for Puerto Rico. That according to Senate Appropriations Chairman Richard Shelby of Alabama. The bill was originally designed to cover losses from last year's hurricanes and wildfires, but Shelby confirmed to AgriPulse last night. He's also trying to include assistance for victims of the floods that ravaged Nebraska and western Iowa this month. Now keep in mind, an initial procedural vote on the bill could come this afternoon. But House Appropriations Chairwoman Nita Lowy of New York and top Democrat on Senate Appropriations Pat Leahy of Vermont warned yesterday the measure won't pass the House unless it includes assistance for Puerto Rico that Democrats want. Aid for stored grain? It's up in the air. Among the issues facing Shelby, USDA officials say they don't have enough money to handle demands in Iowa and Nebraska for funding through the Emergency Conservation Program, which helps farmers and ranchers pay for rehabbing land damaged by flooding. USDA currently has no program for compensating farmers for stored grain or soybeans destroyed by floodwaters. Congress is considering putting more money into both ECP as well as the Emergency Watershed Protection Program, which funds efforts to deal with erosion. That, according to Bill Northey, USDA Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation Programs. Northey said, I doubt the money we have right now would be enough. As for losses of stored grain, Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa said Senate leaders are aware of the need for some form of aid for those producers, but it's not clear yet whether it can be included in the bill. By the way, Farm Service Agency announcing yesterday that it will temporarily allow cattle in Nebraska to graze on acreage enrolled in the Conservation Reserve Program, according to Bill Northey. Thousands of wells possibly contaminated by floods. More than 300 Midwest counties with several thousand wells could be possibly contaminated with E. coli due to recent flooding. That according to data from the National Groundwater Association. The exact number of wells possibly affected by contaminated flood water cannot be readily counted, but Census Bureau data shows over one million wells located in those counties. According to the NGWA, states with wells at risk include Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. Court backs Trump's steel and aluminum tariffs. President Trump can continue his steel and aluminum tariffs for the foreseeable future thanks to a ruling yesterday by the U.S. Court of International Trade. Trump's use of a 57-year-old law that gives him the authority to imports for national security purposes is constitutional, the court ruled. Trump, citing Section 232 of the Trade Expansion Act of 1962, imposed a 25% tariff on steel imports and a 10% tariff on aluminum, spurring retaliation from China, Mexico, Canada, and India that has impacted U.S. agriculture exports. 
Congress delegated a portion of its authority to the executive branch, and the president has the right to use it, the court ruled. But the court also cast some doubt on the soundness of the law. If the delegation permitted by Section 232, as now revealed, does not constitute excessive delegation in violation of the Constitution, what would? That the word of Judge Gary Kratzman in a 28-page opinion. Canada takes advantage of lower tariffs to sell more port to Japan. The U.S. pulled out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership that offered lower Japanese tariffs on pork, but Canada is still part of the pact and is looking to take advantage of the new trade opportunities. The 11-member Pacific Rim trade deal was implemented in December. Total Canadian pork exports dropped off by about 2% last year, but now the country is expecting a 3% increase this year because of the added Japanese business. That according to a new analysis by the USDA's Foreign Agriculture Service. Japan will be a focal market for increased exports, FAS said in the report on Canada's pork exports. Increased exports to Mexico are also anticipated. Canada may be taking advantage of the fact that Mexico has slapped tariffs on U.S. pork in retaliation for U.S. tariffs on steel and aluminum. Meanwhile, Canada is also expected to sell more to China because of the outbreak there of Asian swine fever. Ranks of relocation opponents grow. In advance of a hearing this week, more than 50 new groups have joined an effort organized by the American Statistical Association urging congressional appropriators to block USDA's proposed relocation of the Economic Research Service and National Institute of Food and Agriculture. We're seeing more and more opposition, in the word of Nichelle Harriet, policy specialist at the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition. In fact, there are few, if any, supporters within the farm and food research community for the administration's misguided plan. ASA Executive Director Ron Wasserstein noted that USDA's proposed fiscal 2020 budget cuts research and analysis by ERS in four areas farm, conservation and trade policy, food assistance, nutrition, and diet quality, rural economy and well-being, and food safety. Among the new groups who signed a Monday letter to appropriators bring the number of groups now posed to 104. The Rural Coalition, Entomological Society of America, U.S. Canola Association, National Barley Growers Association, and USA Dry Bean and Lentil Council. The House Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee will hold its hearing on the proposed relocations coming tomorrow. Doctors Group, Heart Association, Press Soda Taxes. Local, state, and national policymakers should consider placing taxes on sugary drinks such as sugar and educate consumers about their health risks. That's according to the American Academy of Pediatrics and American Heart Association in a joint statement. The group said the 2015 federal dietary guidelines recommend children and teens get fewer than 10% of their calories from added sugars. But data show they are consuming 17% of their calories from added sugars, nearly half of which comes from drinks alone. The group said healthy drinks such as water and milk should be the default beverages on children's menus and in vending machines, and federal nutrition assistance programs should ensure access to healthy food and beverages and discourage consumption of sugary drinks. Here's today's She Said It. 
We're pushing the issue. We're going to have to figure it out. That's Senator Joni Ernst of Iowa on the possibility of disaster assistance for producers whose stored grain was destroyed by flooding. Well, that's Daybreak for this Tuesday, March 26th. AgriPulse Daybreak is brought to you by the United Soybean Board. For the latest news out of Washington, D.C., visit AgriPulse.com. For AgriPulse Daybreak, I'm Jeff Daly.